Welcome to the Chantal Hyde Canada's Dating Coach Podcast, where you'll learn to love and be loved. Come understand how powerful you are and share in our common experiences so that we can all grow together. Like Chantal loves to say, let's do this. Susanna, Susanna, so we are mutual fans of each other. And I am so glad you said yes to doing this podcast. Yeah, I, I think I like I found you maybe like a year ago or something. Like I had been um seeing your content every now and then for a while. So it's really cool that um that we're getting to talk. I love this part because I love a story, right? Like when people come onto my lives and they're like, um, oh, your advice really helped. And I love somebody or I did whatever. And I'm like, tell me the story. I want to hear the story. Mm-hmm. So I love that I've been on your radar for a while. Um, you've been on my radar for a while and, uh, I love seeing your growth. You're, you're incredible. Um, oh. I love how eloquent you are. Girl, oh you God. slam those motherfuckers. Thank you. Oh my God. I love that. That makes me so happy. It's been such a, like, I'll get into it, but it's been such a, um, interesting journey to figure out like how to deal with some of the online responses. And like, that just is such an empowering, amazing feeling to fucking snap back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I see the women love it. I think it's like really cathartic and empowering for everybody because on the one hand I was like I don't want to give them energy but then on the other they're in my comments anyways and if they're not attacking me they're attacking like the people that watch my content who comments so it just feels so good to put them in their place whenever I get a question in my dms uh, from people who say I have an std when do I bring this up I always answer it because it's important for people to understand that it's no big deal. And the response that I give them is, first of all, have the fundamental values conversation, right? I want to get married, have kids, buy a house one day. What about you? Because if you're not aligned on that, there's no point continuing on. After you've had the fundamental values conversation, the next one is the no kissing for three months conversation. This is my plan for choosing that partner. I'm going to use three months and get to know you. Um, because I want to make sure I'm not kissing a stranger and hoping for the best. If they're on board for that, then you get into the deeper stuff. Hey, I need to let you know I have an STD. It's really manageable. This is how it flares up. This is how I manage it. I just want to give you full disclosure. I love that. I love that. And it's like, it's such a, I think it's probably the most charged aspect of the stigma for people with herpes and probably any at, you know, long-term or lifelong STI or STD. Um, it always comes back to dating. People are so nervous, understandably, and afraid that they're not going to find partners, that their partners are not going to accept them, that, you know, it's going to change their life and love life in some radical way. And I really, really try to encourage people and women to know that, it doesn't change anything. Like if anything, I often cite that it's like a silver lining because if somebody is going to be ignorant about it and critical and judgmental, like that's probably not going to be a kind of partner that you want to attract, especially if you're looking for somebody long-term. Right. Um, 
So whether it's like a serious relationship or casual, um, I think disclosing like the more it's done with like ease and confidence and after having achieved that self-acceptance around it first, because that's so important, it's going to be so much easier to talk to potential partners about it and like reach an understanding because exactly it's so not a big deal people like to throw, you know, rare statistics, like rare complications at me or try to prove to me that it's a big deal. It is not a big deal. Any medical professional will tell you that herpes is like extremely common, extremely normal. And we're really lucky that pretty much all STDs and STIs are very manageable and treatable. So yeah. And so let me kind of just introduce everybody to you. And, and I'm honestly super happy to have this conversation because I've never had a guest on my podcast talking about something like this. And so I love TikTok. I go down the TikTok hole all the time. And TikTok, I guess because I started answering questions about STDs um, and, and saying exactly that. It's no big deal. It's manageable. But you don't need to have the conversation before you find out if you're on the same page regarding values and goals and timelines. Um, but, you know, I guess TikTok was like, hey, here's some people who are on TikTok educating about STDs. And you might have seen those other people as well. Mm-hmm. And I love your approach. Like you, for me, are the shining star in this world when it comes to that. Because you are strong, you are empowered, you are factual, you're teaching me things that I didn't know. Like when you get screened for STDs, they don't screen for herpes. Mm -hmm. And so there's people who have it who don't even know. Um, And then also like, it's not always something you get because you fool around. You got it from a committed partner who fooled around on you. Mm -hmm. So you are a byproduct of someone else's bad decisions. This wasn't you practicing unsafe sex. This was somebody else doing it. Um, And so, and man, your takedown of the trolls is (laughs) eloquent and poetic. And I love it. You are so articulate. I I was watching one of your latest TikToks and I was like, damn, I want to play this on the podcast. (laughs) It is just so perfect because you had like, like, you know, all these little troll comments above you and you were just slamming them one by one by one. And I was like, oh, this girl is after my heart. Um, And so I love, admire, respect you. You are a beautiful woman who is showing us it's okay. And these motherfuckers who try to make you feel bad about it are the ones you want to push out of your life. Exactly. Oh my God. Thank you so much for such beautiful, kind words. Like it, it's so moving and so amazing because I really do. I I didn't even expect to go this route. I mean, I only got diagnosed two years ago. Um, and only started being a pu- being public about it earlier this year. It was like around April or somewhere around there that I started to post about it publicly. And it's been such a journey to, you know, overcome my own internalized stigmas and prejudices and like ignorant beliefs about it. And then to challenge like what the public brings your way and particularly a lot of men bring your way. And people like to, you know, sort of come at me and, and some people and say that, you know, it's not a gendered thing. Don't make it a gendered thing. But like, 
it's a fact, like it's, it's just simply a cultural fact and observation that being a woman online who is confident, who is in her power, who is not afraid to own her shit, it makes a lot of men angry, you know? Can we just say guys? Yes, they're not men. Because you know, you know my stuff, right? Men are generous long-term thinkers who don't have these insecure issues. Guys are the ones who want to step on other people to elevate themselves. hundred percent. I, I actually like in the, I'm, as you've seen, like in those videos, I call, call them boys, like they're boys, they're immature, you know, ignorant, uneducated, unintelligent little boys who, you know, are intimidated by a woman who is owning, I think at the root of it, her sexuality. Like, I think that is what bothers them is that we're owning our sexuality, that we are sexual beings, clearly like an STI or STD is generally a consequence of sexual activity. So to own it, they immediately jump to this woman was having sex. She's probably, I don't know if I can say it, like, you know, they use a lot of slurs. Yeah. She's okay. She's probably a whore. She's probably a slut. She slept around. Like that's the, the classic sort of response that I'll get. And it's like, it's so the cognitive dissonance to like make this woman they're looking at a villain who is actually like open and transparent and forthcoming about her status and trying to, you know, make other people comfortable about it, but they're villainizing me essentially for having sex. Um, and even if I was like sleeping around and like having my hoe face, having my heyday, there's nothing wrong with that. There's we're sexual creatures. Everybody has their own approach and limitations about like what they want to invite. And I mean, men are celebrated for that. Boys are celebrated for smashing, hitting, like having as high a body count as you can possibly have. And like, you know, I remember a lot of talk of this throughout like the nineties and two thousands, but like, we're still in this moment where slut shaming women is such a double standard, you know, while boys are continually celebrated for the same thing. So I think that so much of it comes down to people's attitudes about sexuality and especially them having no idea unless they've seen a video of mine about it, how I like acquired herpes, you know? So they immediately assume I slept around, which again, if somebody did, that's okay. You can be extremely safe. You can have a hundred partners and not get herpes. You can have one partner use a condom and get heart, get herpes. I think I said, did I say herpes? Herpes. (laughs) Um, and like there's, there's so many non-sexual ways that, that we can acquire it. We can get it as children from being kissed by adults and relatives who have oral herpes, you know, people are assaulted. Like in my situation, cheated on. There's also so many situations where, like you mentioned, because we're not tested for it, so many of us walk around and don't know that we have it and transmit it that way. So there's so many people with herpes who have no idea how they got it. And that's okay too, you know? By the way, can we say the fuck you finger? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I always, so I always get my nails done with an accent finger and actually somebody, um, 
it's typically like trolls will talk about, you know, you having bumps down there or having like a bumpy vag, like they just say atrocious things to try to like shame you and bring you down. Um, and somebody jokingly commented who was like a supporter that they love that I got like bumps, (laughs) (laughs) which was not even intentional. So it's like the gold plated bumps. And, um, I mean, a herpes flare up can look like absolutely nothing. It can look like a cut. It can look like one blister. So it's not even what people think, you know? So Susanna did a whole TikTok about how when she gets her nails done, she always makes the middle finger the accent finger so that when she does the fuck you to the trolls, um, it's like, it's like, like, especially dramatic. Yeah. Which is just for them. My last set had, um, it was like a Halloween set and it just had red and black, but it had a skull on the middle finger. And that was really fun. (laughs) So I want to know, like, I'm curious, and I think this would be sort of like a a great um, kind of eye opener for the audience. I want to know your journey from how you found out um, you know, your reaction to finding out your emotional journey from there to where you are today. Can you tell us that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this is something I was like excited to tell you because I, I mean, I'm sure you've been, you've pieced things together from my content, but it was such an emotional journey and like, had a lot to do with dating, obviously, and like, you know, a toxic, problematic partner. Um, So I basically, like, you know, went through a divorce in um, 2019. And it was a very amicable divorce, amicable divorce, my ex husband and I are on great terms, he's a great person, it just, you know, we decided to go our separate ways. And it was still like a very shifting you know, traumatic time in my life because everybody around me was so used to like, you know, the job I had, the home life I had, the husband I had, like, it was more like dealing with everybody else's shock and grief around me versus my own. That was like the hard part of going through a divorce. And there was a lot wrapped in that about like, you know, I had miscarried a couple of years prior to that. We had been trying unsuccessfully. I had come to a decision that I didn't want to try anymore. Then I kind of realized that part of it was like not wanting to, you know, continue the marriage. Um, And also facing questions about whether I wanted kids in general. So I had come out of like a pretty vulnerable situation. And I think as a lot of people can relate to who've experienced like a miscarriage or any kind of trauma or grief is like, it can catch up with you even years later. You know, you kind of go through it in the moment, but you can be hit with like a depressive moment or phase after. So that's all to kind of set the stage for like just a very vulnerable space I was in. I had been with my partner for like, you know, the majority of my adult life. We got together really early in college. And prior to him, I was with my high school sweetheart. So I had never really been alone. Like I, was a serial monogamist, I guess, and um, hadn't had a single life. I think I spent maybe like a six month period ever single and dating other people. So a huge part of the, of the 
turmoil I was in was just being alone for the first time and navigating like living alone. And I was absolutely terrified of all of it. Like I was like a shadow of who I am today, you know? And in that sort of vulnerability, I met this partner and towards the end of my marriage, we had an open relationship. So like we were already, you know, kind of trying things out, trying different things to see if we'd be happy. And so I met this partner while we were in an open relationship and things just kind of progressed and developed from there. And then once I was separated and, you know, it wasn't for this partner by any means, but it allowed us to explore our relationship and let it flourish. Now it was like a long distance relationship. So we weren't local, but I had this thought that, you know, because we had been talking and texting and doing phone calls and video calls for like um, like several months that we knew each other pretty well. And we had had visits, like I had visited him. Um, but I was like, there's things I realize after the fact, like I was the only one visiting him. Like he wasn't putting in as much of an effort. Um, but I was so excited by like this new passionate relationship. And during one of our visits towards the end of 2019, it was around like October. Um, I think it was, or no, maybe it was 2020. No, it was 2019. Um, I started to develop some symptoms. So we had obviously been intimate, some symptoms showed up. I thought I had like a razor bump. And at first I kind of didn't pay much attention to it because I thought I was just irritated and I was like traveling back home and it just felt more and more painful. And I thought maybe I was getting a UTI, like all these things were going on that I was just attributing to other things. It was only when I really noticed, like, it looked like a blister that I started to freak out. I'm a very like health conscious, like I've held a lot of health anxiety. So I'm very like nervous about things like that. And, you know, obviously I was like safe with this partner, but at this point we were in a committed relationship. We were serious. We were in love. We weren't always using protection. Um, but again, it can still come about with protection. And my first thought, so I went to get it looked at by my doctor. She wasn't really sure. I went to a clinic to, to get it checked a couple days later by then it was like a couple blisters and they were like, it's genital herpes for sure, but we'll do a swab to confirm. And a swab confirmed it as HSV2 a few days later. In that clinic, I was in total shambles. Like I was hysterical, I was crying. I thought my life was over, like my love life. You know, my first thought was just, I'm, I'm like scorned, I'm damaged. Like it's all the stigma that I was, aware of even like peripherally, you know, we like pick up on it. Even if we're not in direct contact with anyone who has it, we have these like preconceived notions about it. And all of that was just like flooding in. And my first thought after was whether my partner would leave me, not whether he gave it to me, whether he would leave me. So I was so terrified of being alone that that was the main thing I was worried and terrified about. And, you know, I know now in hindsight that this was a very like narcissistic 
uh, mentally, emotionally abusive relationship in that way. I was very attached. So of course my main fear was losing the person and ending up alone. So he was like very compassionate and understanding. He was immediately like, this is fine. Like we're going to be together. Nothing's going to stop us. Like it doesn't matter to me at all. So I was like, this is the person for me (laughs) because they handled it so well when a few weeks later, you know, he said that he had a flare up as well. And he like made it out to be sort of like, it could have come from either of us. Let's not dwell on it. We both have it now, so we don't have to worry about it. And of course his flare up was when I was back home. So my theory is that he, it's possible he didn't know he had it, but my theory is he knew he had it. He didn't disclose it to me. Once I had it, it was like, okay, right. we're locked in. I'm, I'm going to let her know I have it too. Because anytime it was like a question of, you know, how did this happen? Like what's, we talked about our sexual history before we ever got together too. And he was like, very open and transparent, told me when he got tested, told me his history. Um, Of course, I didn't look at any results, but I trusted him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I was still questioning after this diagnosis, like, did you have partners you didn't tell me about? Like, were you not loyal while we were exclusive? Could this have happened when we weren't exclusive? But he would just get so uncomfortable when it came up and like, didn't want to talk about it. And he would say like, I want to support you with it and your journey with it, but I don't want to talk about it because it just depresses me. Mm. So, right. Yeah. And so I continued to be with him. I actually moved to the States to live with him. Um, We were going to try to be together for a couple months and see how it went, but it was going well enough that I continued to stay. And then the pandemic hit. So I stayed longer. um, And I, you know, was on track to be with this person. Like I thought he was my next person. And I had just accepted the fact that, you know, although I couldn't really imagine how I could have had herpes, but it can stay dormant for a long time. It's kind of left it to, okay, well, we both have it. It's easier now that we're comfortable with each other. I don't have to worry about dating or disclosing to people. And that's a very, like, very alarming thing that can happen with an STD or STI diagnosis is you stay with partners you shouldn't or put up with treatment you shouldn't just because you are afraid of the alternative and at the end of my stay with him I discovered he was cheating Um, I had a lot of red flags there were a lot of things that happened throughout the entire time I knew him that I looking back ignored but I finally decided to break into his laptop and I saw everything Um, you know and he was he was engaging with people all the time. Um, Sex workers had other girlfriends. It was horrifying, especially like on top of everything else during a pandemic. I was so anxious and worried about, about that too. So he was putting my health at risk in so many ways. Um, And I just like immediately packed my bags, left the next day, you know, 
Good after, for you, by the way. High five. Thank like, you. High thank five you. on that because too many women make excuses. Yeah. And you, you said, you know what? I'm, I'm taking what's left of my sanity and I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah. It was like, when I discovered everything I did, it was just like a wall came crashing down and I saw the reality of what I was in and what I had gotten myself into for the first time. Um, And it was traumatic. Can we call it the wall of willful ignorance? That's the wall that came down because you said the red flags were there, but it wasn't until I went and got the proof and the wall of willful ignorance came down and you saw the reality for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And something that, you know, it took me a really, like, it's only been a year and a half since all of that happened. So it took me a long time to really recover and I still am, but a lot of it has to do with my own, you know, sadness and pain that I allowed a person like that into my life. But there was like, there was that wall of willful ignorance. And then he was also incredibly manipulative and charismatic and great at explaining everything away, everything. Um, what were the red flags? There were things like, it was like mixed signals, you know, like I remember thinking I could trust him because he'd leave his phone out around me a lot and often unlocked. So I would be like, oh, he's, you know, he had his notifications coming in. Like, I was like, okay, there, he can't be hiding anything because he's okay with having his phone out. And like, I think he lent me his phone one time and um, I saw like to make a call because, you know, being out of the country, I didn't have the right phone plan. And this was a few days into my getting there. And I saw that he had made some late night calls while I was sleeping the night before video calls to somebody that was clearly a woman and it was like an Instagram call. So I actually did take a look at their conversation. I was very concerned. I brought it up to him the next day. That should have been the moment that I left and went home. Um, But I remember feeling like I had totally up, like I had, you know, upheaved my whole life packed all my belongings, come there to make this work. That the idea of going back in shame like a few days later was so disappointing to me that I preferred to believe his story. And his story was just like, this was a friend in need. There was nothing going on. The messages I saw were like, you know, not what I thought. Mm. And it's not what you think it is. (laughs) Yeah. And then it was followed by oftentimes if I did bring up things like I would see a concerning message come in or like feel something off, he would like launch into like a self-imposed sort of like, you know, it was traumatic for him to be mistrusted. It was, you know, he had been in relationships prior where he wasn't trusted. So he had a trauma around it. So he would withdraw for like a couple days from me if I did 
raise a flag about something or want an explanation around something. And, you know, I would then feel guilty that he was in this like depressed, anxious state for a couple of days where he withdrew his love from me because I wasn't trusting him. Like that was the intense manipulation of- Can I, can I just say, if they're a friend, you meet them. If you don't meet them, they're an ego stroke. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's actually a very like important note about entering a relationship with someone long distance is like you don't know their world and you haven't met their friends or their family often until you get there or until things begin to escalate. So I had just joined and moved into like his world. So I didn't know any of his friends yet. I didn't know his history. I didn't know, like all of it started to like unravel as time went on, you know? Um, but there were so many, so many flags, but at the same time, this very like effective, manipulative way of, of keeping me in this space of like, it's my problem. It's my insecurity. I should be trusting him more. I'm causing him pain by not trusting him enough. Yeah. And the entire time that I was living there, I was in a constant state of anxiety. I had lost so much, like I was underweight. Um, all my, my friends and family were concerned. Like I was not okay. And you could see it. And every, almost every day was a struggle to just feel safe and comfortable. And it was like this addiction or attachment where, you know, I would be trying to get us to that place where things felt good and normal and affectionate because anytime an issue came up or a flag came up, it completely threw it off and would launch me into all this anxiety again. But really it was my gut and intuition, like screaming at me for a year straight to get the fuck out of there because this was like a very toxic, not well, um, destructive person, you know? And this guy is probably still doing what he was doing then because the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, which is having unprotected sex with people who don't know he has, you know, and STD, people who don't know he has herpes and he's not caring that he's having sex when he has an outbreak, because obviously that's what state you need to be in in order to give somebody herpes. Mm -hmm. Have you yeah. ever thought about publicizing that? It's crossed my mind, but, you know, that's something that I... I am actually writing a book like I've been working on a book for a while that I mean, it's been on my mind for like five years. But as I've gone through these things in life, they're kind of rolling into the book because I want it to be a very self-reflective ex exploration into like my journey and everything I've been through and all of the herpes like work is going to go into that. But it's crossed my mind. But for me, it's like, there's only so much control that I can exert over someone's actions after I've crossed paths with them, right. you know? And I think it's pretty common with narcissistic people that they like reinvent themselves, reinvent themselves. And like, you know, they're like, 
a new good person now, like their old ways are done. You know, there was a lot of apologies and a lot of like, I was in a bad place, like, you know, excuses around like, I mean, I'm sure that people do suffer from like sex addiction, like I'm not discrediting that. I don't know that that was like his problem or his reason for being the way he was. There must have been something much deeper. And I know on some level that someone must have endured so much trauma at some point in their lives to become a person like that and hurt so many people like that and not even be aware of how destructive their path is. So it's frustrating because there were moments where I felt some compassion and, you know, but generally just really wanted to like distance myself and not give them any more power. And the most that I could do was speak about my own status and like help women around that speak about my own story and help women around that. But what he's doing now is like, I just never want any contact, inkling association with him ever again. So it was just kind of like, I just wanted to be done and move on because I did early after, like a bit early on after the relationship, like spoke to his other partners and exes and exchange stories. And, you know, the herpes stuff does concern me for sure, because I have no idea if he's letting future partner no, partners know. I'm sure that he didn't let partners he was, you know, cheating on me with at the time know. And it's tough because you want to be like, you want to scream it to the world to mm. let them know this person is capable of something like that. Yeah. But there's only so much we can do. Like we can't control someone's actions in the future. We can't let everybody know. And like, I do feel that gripe come up sometimes and it's it's mm -hmm. difficult that like he's inevitably potentially like you said if he doesn't change his behavior and he likely won't no matter how many times he reinvents himself he may put more women through that again and again and again in the future and like when do people like this pay the consequence of their actions like they blow up their lives and then they just start again <laughs> you know yeah I mean, listen, girl, I'm a Scorpio, so I've got like that vengeful side in me and where my vengeful brain goes. And I don't always follow through on my vengeance because if I did, there'd be some sugar and some gas tanks. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and the thing is, as a sociologist, as, as somebody who really studies human behavior, the good, the bad, the ugly. So my brain can go all the way to the best part of somebody and all the way to the worst part of somebody. And a part of my brain says, what if there's this malicious intent in him? What if he has this woman hating part of him that he hides under a veneer of I'm damaged and hurt in order to gain access to women and is intentionally infecting women because he hates them. And when my brain goes there, my brain says, it's kind of like the Me Too movement, right? Mm -hmm. When somebody steps forward and calls somebody out and publicizes it and says, look at this face, 
if you come across this person and they've given you herpes, he might've done it on purpose. Are there more of you? And we find out when somebody's a predator, when the crowd rises up and says, me too. Mm-hmm. That's how we get the predators out into the open. And I'm not saying you need to do that or you should do that by any means, because I respect your decision to close that door behind you. Mm-hmm. But my brain goes to that worst case scenario. What if he's a predator? Right. For sure. And he's out there maliciously infecting women. And this is why we as women need to be careful about who we're choosing. And even when you talk about like meeting somebody in long distance and starting a long distance relationship and, and, you know, people say, how do you do the no kissing for three months over a long distance, right? Like you, you've been talking for three or more months. Does that mean when you see them, you kiss and have sex? And my answer is not unless you get boyfriend level attention. So if you were in the same city doing the no kissing for three months, it's no kissing until I've met the people that are important to you. So that means if we're long distance, then you FaceTime me when you're at a family gathering. You Mm -hmm. FaceTime me when you're at your friend's place. And I have chit chats with your friends. I have chit chats with your family so that I can ask those probing questions Mm -hmm. about who you are to corroborate what it is that you're saying about yourself with people who are in your inner circle. Are the stories matching up? Yeah. It's hard too because people in their inner circle don't always like they're obviously on their like loyal to them and protecting them, you know? And one thing that happens like with what happened with me when things came to light, people came out with some of their own stories and experiences that, you know, were aware of some of his behaviors, right? That didn't feel the place to warn me before because they wanted to believe that he had changed and that we were like going to be good. And like, I seemed so good for him and like all these things. And it's just like, you know, (laughs) I don't want to say I wouldn't have a long distance relationship again, because I know a lot of people out there do. And it's probably just based on, sorry, the person, but it definitely scarred me quite a bit. Um, and one thing I'll say about the, like outing somebody is like, I'm like fucking go for it when I see women do that. And I think it's so important and, you know, still has its place and like helps. I think my struggle with my particular situation is, although I'm pretty certain, I can't say a hundred percent, like there's always a chance that herpes was dormant or like lay dormant in me for it had to have been over a decade. And it's like, probably it's next to impossible. This is what I like still struggle with. And I don't know if it's still me trying to like explain it away or, or not want to believe that someone would have malicious intent like this, but I'll have these games in my mind where I'm like, there's still a slight chance I had it first and it flared up with him and he got it. Like there's always a sliver of a chance that it went that way. Um, Like I had no definitive proof or evidence that he had it before it came up. And that part of that trouble is having been in a long distance relationship and it being something that not everybody is like openly showing. And there's that possibility he didn't know he had it. Um, 
you know, and I think that there's people who don't disclose it out of like so much fear and shame that they'd rather suffer the consequences of transmitting it to someone, which is awful too. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who do maliciously intentionally infect their partners. I think there was even a public case with, you know, it's not talked about as much, which I find odd, but with Shia LaBeouf and FKA Twigs, they had like a relationship and she came out in the media that he was abusive to her, like mentally and physically and sexually. Mm -hmm. And that he transmitted an STD to her. Um, mm. And like people speculate from what it sounds like in court documents as herpes. And it literally says in those documents that he would conceal his flare ups with makeup. Oh, wow. So like there are people, which I don't even know how you can pull that off. That's crazy. But there are people who are malicious out there. And then there are people who don't understand like the impact of what they're doing. There are people who believe that herpes is not a big deal, but who believe that it's so not a big deal that they don't need to disclose it. So right. it's really, really tricky. And that's why there's also like such a gray area with even legal action, because a lot of people bring up like that it's a criminal offense or, you know, um, illegal, but it depends because it's only some places in some parts of the world or in the States that have laws against it. Some places it's just a misdemeanor, some places it's a federal crime, but it's herpes is like not really in that category as much as something like HIV. So it's just such a tricky thing and, and it doesn't make it okay to ever not disclose or you know, transmit it to someone intentionally, but it is so hard to know exactly what someone's intentions are. Agree. So I want to come back into your emotional journey with this. You, you found out he cheated. You find out you have, uh, you find out you have herpes. You're, you're with this diagnosis now, like you realize you have this, what happened to you emotionally how long did you stay in, in that negative place and how did you come out of it? Yeah. So I, I still have like moments, like tough days and weeks to this day. And it's so helpful for me to have like my therapist in my corner, for example, who like reminded me recently that it's only been a year and a half when in my mind, I'm like, it's already been a year and a half. Like, why am I still having triggers and flashbacks? You know, especially when I'm like trying to get out and date again, most people would think that the herpes is like my biggest struggle with that, but it's actually being terrified of meeting similar partners. And I have met similar partners. It's almost like until you've really healed from that, and, and recognize your own role in like attracting and allowing someone like that, you can come across some of the same people, which is so demoralizing and terrifying. Right. Um, but I mean, I'm very happy to like continue to chill with myself and love myself and I'm not in a rush to find anybody, but it was like a very, when I look back on it, it's actually such a beautiful, rewarding journey, that healing process, because 
the day that I left with my bags packed in my car, even though I was like hysterically crying and um, in shambles, I felt like a fucking rock star, like a badass. Like I just, it was like out of a movie, you know, like packing my bags while they're fucking crying and begging me to stay. And I'm just like, fuck you. I'm out of here. (laughs) I think I still hugged him at the end, which I'm like, why the fuck did I hug him? Like I should have stormed out more dramatically, but it was dramatic. Um, and I was, I, was driving distance like across the borders. So I like drove a rental across the border in the middle of a pandemic. Like it felt very like, whoa, this is like straight out of a a movie, you know? But I was like, I felt this immense, this like immense joy and pride for like choosing myself, you know? And getting out of that situation. And it hit me so much more once I got home. And like, luckily I had, um, my old place that I used to have with my ex-husband was sitting like vacant and free because he had moved to a a property that we both owned for like an Airbnb. But during the lockdown, it was obviously not being rented. So everything was so aligned. Like I had a place to stay that, you know, was a bit odd being my old apartment with my ex-husband, but like, I just kind of like cleared everything out. I took down all our old art. Like I just like, it was a blank canvas for me. And one thing that I really did a lot of that, you know, is part of like, I speak out about herpes and like confidence and self-love, but like sensuality is like a very big part of who I am and what I do. And it's a journey that I've been on for several years, even before, like it kind of started after my miscarriage and it's been ongoing since and is like a through line in my book as well but that container of sensuality has been a huge like force of healing for me over those first few months because it was like you know a lot of that like scorned angry I got cheated on like feeling and then this like rising phoenix stuff and like I would just channel all of that through like dancing and movement and photographing myself and dressing up in different ways and just like channeling these different, you know, energies and like writing about it. And, you know, I wasn't like super public about what happened at the time yet, but I started like opening up more and more as time went on. And it was really cathartic and healing to like share with words and visuals, what I was going through, what I was healing, um, And TikTok played a role in that too, because before I started talking about herpes, I was uploading a lot of content around those sensual explorations and some of my reflections and thoughts after being in this, um, in this difficult relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you remember like a turning point? Was there like, was there a moment, was there something that you read that sort of, you know, really helped lift you up and come to this place where you're like, I'm okay. Uh, I think that it's a tricky one. Cause like, there's a lot of moments where mm-hmm. I come across something and feel this sense of safety and like, I'm okay. And then I'll like plummet again and fall into, you know, so there's different things that like lift me up. 
every now and then, but I think generally that process of healing and what was beautiful about it was after having had so little time alone, I was now completely alone in a lockdown for a year in an apartment by myself, facing all those, like everything I had been afraid of before, like all the fears I had about being alone. Now being alone felt like paradise compared to what I had just been through. And I think I had this shift of like, I can hold myself. I can feel safety within myself. I can secure myself. Like I don't need a partner to provide those things to me. A partner can and should only be like, uh, like a, you know, bonus to my life. Um, like a beautiful alignment. But I think in the past, I had always attached to partners to help me regulate, help me feel safe, help bring about security. And that's part of why I was so terrified of being alone after my divorce, because my ex-husband was like, really like someone I relied on for so many things, just mentally and emotionally. Um, So I think it was really just realizing a few months in of being alone that I was okay and thriving being alone. And like, that's what I'm carrying to this day is that even when there's moments where it feels like it would be nice to have a companion or someone by my side, or I wonder if I'll get into a relationship again or what I even want. Cause I'm not sure there's just such a beauty in being comfortable and at peace with ourselves because like, It's absolutely wonderful to partner up, but we also don't have to, you know? One more question. What do you think about the no kissing for three months dating rule? Honestly, I think it's great because like depending on, and I think you had a video recently where you talked about it and I thought it was great that like, you know, you can have your fun and like hook up with people and not apply it in certain situations. But if you really want to attract like a long lasting partner, I think it's like a really, um, I think it's a really captivating approach to let everything else flourish and blossom and come to light before engaging with somebody. And like, you know, there's different, I think rules and, and, like ideas people have around celibacy or like how long to wait in relationships. And we just get scarred so often as women, especially by like giving our body and like being physically intimate with somebody and being discarded like right after, you know? Um, And I think that like, even with my past relationship, a lot of the passion and chemistry that I felt was sexual attraction, not like a true deep love. I thought I was in love. Maybe I was on some level, but I think so much of what pulled me into that relationship and then addicted me as well in some way was the like sexual intimacy and physical intimacy and attraction because that was the only time I really felt truly safe and like loved with him. Right. Everything outside of that was so difficult to navigate and anxiety inducing. So I think eliminating that for the first few months with somebody can like really show you 
who someone is and what the connection is, you know? Yeah. Well said, my love. Well said. I hope I gave it some, paid it some justice. Yeah. (laughs) So is there like a final message you want to leave with the listeners today? Um, I think, I guess like circling back to what we started on with STDs and STIs, just that like, there's so many, there's so many things when you're entering in a relationship or any kind of interaction with somebody to like be aware of and focus on, like you said, making sure your values are aligned, that they're going to respect you and your body, that having an STD or STI can kind of overpower it and become the main defining thing that you're worried about them accepting you, you accepting yourself, you being comfortable, but there is so much more around that that matters so much more and the right people and most people who are educated are like not gonna think twice about the STD or STI because it is all manageable And they're going to be a lot more concerned about pleasing you, getting to know you and like figuring out who you are as a person and exploring whatever you're exploring together, not whether they're going to get herpes from you or whatever it is, you know, it's okay for people to have some anxieties and questions about it, but yeah, it's just like really work on your own self-love and acceptance and come to a place of feeling like you have that worth and confidence and ease again before even attempting to date with um, with herpes or any other STD or STI because, you know, you, and it's, it's similar to what I've been through too. Like I'm not really ready for a partner until I've And I don't know, like I said, if I want one or what I want right now, but that probably speaks to me being, you know, not quite there yet. I'm not really ready until I've like completely built back up my confidence and worth as well so that I'm never allowing somebody like that into my life again. And I know nothing's perfect and things will happen and we're never completely healed either, but healing is a beautiful ongoing process and I'd rather elevate myself and then attract elevated people than like stay in a hurt place so a hundred percent um I do hope you grab no more assholes if you don't have it already because it does help with that elevation process it does help with calming the emotions getting to that more confident place and then something that really does give you a lot of confidence in your choice of partners is the 12 character traits so making sure you know, like, like, I know we come into this with like certain criteria, but the 12 character traits clarifies the criteria of who you should be choosing for a partner. And I want to say like genital herpes is no different than cold sores. And mm-hmm. my husband gets cold sores and he gets them after we've gone on a sunny vacation. He gets them when he's really stressed out. He might go a whole year without getting one. He might get one or two in a year, depending on the factors, sunny vacation, super stressed out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not something you're constantly with. It's not something that's a danger to you when there is no flare up. I, I, (laughs) my people know 
I make out with my husband several times a day. <laughs> so you can have herpes, whether it's on your face or on your genitals and go at it several times a day and you're safe. You're fine. I've been with him for 16 years. Wow. I do not get cold sores because when he has an outbreak, he says, oh, baby, we can't kiss for a while. And exactly. so we don't until it goes away and then we're fine. So when I say it's no big deal, it's no big deal. As yeah. long as you communicate when you have an outbreak and it's hands off for a little bit of time, it's fine. Yeah. I love that so much. And I hear from so many couples who've been together for a long time and, you know, like the partner might acquire it and have it lay dormant and never show symptoms either. And it is not a guarantee anyone will acquire it even after a long time together. So people just see it as like a one and done deal. Like the moment you engage with someone who has it, you're going to get it or you're going to give it right. And I appreciate that so much because it is exactly the same thing, just a different location. There's people who have genital, the genital herpes strain on their elbow. Um, I've heard from someone who has it on their knee. People get it on their fingers. Like it's just a skin thing. And that time, if you even get a flare up, when you have to employ a no kissing rule temporarily again, or like no sexual activity, it's kind of nice. You just like do other things, cuddle, talk. Yeah. It's like, if I'm on my period, I mean, period sex is great, but if I'm not in the mood, it's kind of nice to have that shift in the dynamic and relationships. I also love to like encourage people to embrace those moments and like nurture and hold themselves through a flare up if they have one and invite their partner to do the same, you know? Susanna, I'm so grateful for you. And there's been so many moments in this conversation where my heart just swelled because I love you. Oh. You are, you are amazing. You're a powerhouse. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're saying what you're saying. I want everybody to go follow you for the clarity that you give and the power that you exude. So if you guys want to go find her on TikTok, it's at Suzbub, S-U-Z-B-U-B. Is there anywhere else where people can find you? Um, I do also have an Instagram. It's just the same thing with an S at the end. So Suzbub with an S at the end. Um, there's a few links in my link tree. I have a newsletter. I have different sessions um, and even support calls that people can sign up for. And then I do have a YouTube channel. I have, I'm going to be uploading to it more, but I have my story and a lot of information around herpes in one, you know, I was going to say succinct, but it is a 50 minute long <laughs> video <laughs> on my YouTube channel that, that anyone can watch. And that's Suzbub as well. So it's either always Suzbub or Suzbub with an S on any social media platform. And I love you too. And like, thank you so, so much for, for seeing me and for such beautiful words. And it's such a pleasure and honor to talk to you. You're amazing, my love. Thank you for doing this with me. No problem. Thank you. You have an awesome day. Okay. Yay. You too. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye.